Corinthians. If you'll open your Bibles to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I was going to say something that brother Mar- I heard Brother Marler say, but I won't refrain. I'll just say I won't hold you long. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verses 14 through 17. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ, and, make manif- and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. We are a sin. We are a fragrance. When we walk into a place, it should never be the same. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ, in them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one we are the savor of death unto death, and to the other the savor of life unto life, and who is sufficient for these things. For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. I want to talk for just a couple of minutes, won't won't hold you long at all. On this subject, the truth, a fragrance of life and death. The truth, a fragrance of life and death. Truth is without our approval. Truth just is the revelation of what God has settled in heaven. I'm going to take off fast, I promise. I'm not going to go that long. So just buckle up with me and run with me and we'll land quick. All right? Truth is without uh, man's approval. God's not somewhere up in heaven waiting on humanity to vote on whether or not he has disclosed revelation. God is not waiting for society to approve of what he has emphatically stated in his word. What this book gives us is the revelation of the eternal laws of existence that God has laid out. It speaks the unseen truth that God in his purpose has established and therefore is unshakably true. It's just as true today as when they put pen to manuscript and wrote it in the Old Testament or wrote it on the parchment in the New Testament. Genesis 22 says that there were just uh, the stars are as the sands of the sea. But we find in Jeremiah's day that 150 years before uh, they knew that there was as many stars as there is, uh, the Bible says, Jeremiah says, the stars are without number. But they had only found 1,026 stars. And two and a half centuries later, they had only found 2,000 more. But we know that now when they sent Hubble up, that the word that God spoke by the prophet Jeremiah is true. Despite all of the science of his day, despite all of the smart people of his day, God vindicated the truth through the word of his prophet because it's God's word and not man. Man sees limited, but God's view is eternal. And he speaks truth through his men and women that he uses to declare his revelation. Job says that God sent on the circle of the earth. Literally in the Hebrew, that means sphere. How did Job know that the earth was a sphere? In 1492, you know, old Columbus sailed the ocean blue. But not until uh, later did they find out that the earth was round. But in God's word, in the face of scientific facts of their day, men of God stood up and declared the word of God. 
They spoke under the unction of the Spirit. But people try to tell us, well, if you were just educated enough, Brother Bobby, if you would just, if you would look at science, the, the science that imagines itself uh, smart enough to, to critique the Bible, you can find in the, uh, the city of Paris, France, a section of obsolete science books. It runs for three and a half miles. Let me let that sink in. Three and a half miles of obsolete science book. You can build your life on anything you want, but I am going to build my life. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm not going to build it on philosophy or theory. It's not debatable. It's the Word of God. It's like the man at the museum. The person walked in. He, the guy's looking at the museum, kind of cynical. The curator walks up to him and says, what, uh, what are you doing here? He says, well, you know, this... This stuff, he said, it's not, it's not really impressive. The curator says, oh, I just, just want to let you know that the art's not on trial here. The viewers are. And that's the way it is, folks. The world can say what they want. They can look at this book and they can say, no, I'm not going to believe that. But I'm going to tell you, this book is not on trial here. What we have to decide tonight is whether or not we're going to align ourselves with a revelation of God's word. Paul says, we're not as those that corrupt the word. We're not these hirelings that will come out and preach anything you want to hear. What you need is a man of God or a woman of God to declare the counsel of the Lord to you. The best thing you can do is to go to a prayer closet somewhere and pray, God, you help my pastor to preach with boldness the word of God. Parents kick sometimes against youth ministers. What you need to do is not kick authority, but allow that man of God or that woman of God to speak truth into your youth. Why? Because when you undermine their authority, you undermine God's word, and you undermine what's going to build something solid into their life. The power of truth. It's like the professor at a Greek, uh, uh, of Greek at a major university told one of my mentors, he said, you know, uh, he, that, that Greek text you have there, the Bible, it's full of multiple errors. And he says, you know, what you have to understand, he said, uh, is we've gone beyond the Bible. He said, yeah, that's right. You've, you've gone beyond the Bible. That's true. I've noticed that because some of your doctrines I can't seem to find in the New Testament. And he said, you've gone beyond the Bible. He said, but now listen, you just have to understand that the Bible was a stepping stone. A stepping stone. He said, well, what do you mean by that? He said, well, these poor apostles were so naive. He said, they were, the Bible says they're ignorant and unlearned uh, fishermen. And they were just naive. He said, now you're saying they were stupid. Well, yes, they were just, they just weren't, that's right, that's what I'm saying. They were stupid, they're too stupid to understand. But you can take what you want, Mr. Greek professor, but I will take the genius of Peter who says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. And with the power of truth reaches down and the lame man begins to walk. If we're going to affect our generation, it's because we have solidified in our hearts we're going to be people of truth. The apostle comes to them. He captures so much in this one image. He says, I, we're not as those that corrupt the word of God, but we're preaching to you sincerely what we believe, what we've received of God. We're preaching in the sight of God, commissioned in Christ as ministers of truth. And he begins to lay out things. And, and the, the tragic thing is, is we can shout about, yes, I'm aligning myself with truth. But we can live as if the truth has no impact on our lives. And that's worse than someone denying the truth. 
So truth, what do you mean truth? I'm talking about a truth that can impact your life. Paul talks about this passage. He's got this picture of Christ as the conquering general. In those days, the general would come in and he would, I've talked about this once before here. He would come in with with all of his entourage. And sometimes we see he causes us to triumph in Christ. And we think that's a ticker tape parade where we march in and we've got our badge. And yes, I I got baptized in Jesus' name and I'm winning with Christ and, and I'm right along with him. I've got my medals and that's not the biblical picture the biblical picture is war trophies where he comes in and he is he listen I don't know about you but I wasn't looking for God that that book God chasers should really be changed to God chasing us he came and found me and dug me out of the pit I couldn't reach up to him and so he came and reached down to me so the the by we don't need to be arrogant He says he causes us to triumph. That's a picture. I I wish I had time to spend on every aspect of that text. But he's talking about how God conquered at the cross of Calvary. He went to the cross. And the Bible says in Colossians that he died. And God at his weakest, nailed to the cross, conquered principalities and powers, making a show of them openly, triumphing over them in that he's taken the, the handwriting of ordinances that was against us and nailed them to his cross. He sat on the cross. It is finished. If you take a trip by, I don't know how long it's been, but you need to go by Calvary. You need to stand and look at that sacrifice. There's no room for arrogance there. There's no room for someone to get a bad attitude. I've been so good or some type of self-righteousness there. Give me a preacher. Give me a songwriter that'll take me to the cross. Give me somebody that'll remind me how much that victory costs my Lord and I'm going to tell you we wouldn't have a problem with unity because we wouldn't care about credit we wouldn't care about anything else but giving him thanks and praise for the cost of the sacrifice the cross, the truth live with that on your conscience people are so proudful, so arrogant listen you can't be proudful you have no right for arrogance because we are not the victors he is the victors and we triumph in him We triumph in Him. That's the only way we have any kind of victory. I wish I could stay there for a half hour. But let let me go on. Preachers always want to preach, you know. Let me go on. Paul says, he said, they they have a fragrance. He says, we are are the sweet savor of God. And what they would do is they they would come in and there would be these incense bearers that would march before the conquering general. And they would smell the fragrance. And the Bible says to one, it's the fragrance of life. But to one, it's the fragrance of death. Same conqueror. Same act. Same fragrance. But two very different outcomes. And I got to thinking, I said, Lord, what is the truth that Paul's wrapped up in this image? What is the truth that has the greatest impact in our life? There is a life. There is an eternal life. There is something that that we've caught a glimpse of when we spoke in tongues that we are not of this world. We're living here kind of in exile until the time he takes us to the promised land. The old songwriter had it right. This whole world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are 
laid up somewhere beyond the blue. So don't get too aggravated at me if I don't get caught up in this world. I'm hanging loosely to this world so that when he steps out, I can hear that voice and I can let go and go be with my Lord. The testimony here tonight, our forebears had it right. They, in some ways, I believe, had it easier because they used to throw rotten eggs at them, throw rotten tomatoes at them. They used to do all sorts of things to them. But now we're being courted by the world. I was asked when I was in seminary, uh, the, the lady that was the chaplain over the chapel at the seminary asked me to go pinch hit a sermon for her. She couldn't make it. And she said, would you go preach in my place at this church? Now, see, that's what's happening. We're losing uh, where we used to be ridiculed and being counted as outsiders. Now they want us to come. Now they want us to preach. And the seductive appeal of the praise of men is after us. And we have to say, no, 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 no. I don't care what social doors open. I'm going to be like my forebears. I'm going to stand for truth. I'm going to live a life of legacy to the truth. Fragrance of life. Why? Because it's not about this world. It's not about acceptance. It's not about relevance. It's about changing people's life with the truth. Stepping into eternity. I can't get invested in this world. I know people want things and then I want things in this world. Don't misunderstand me. But I can't get too consumed by this world. Why? Because I've caught a glimpse of eternity. And sometimes it's just like, Lord, and sometimes in worship we're saying, Lord, you're so close. It would be so much easier if you would just take us on home to be with you. Have you ever been homesick for heaven? Come on, child of God. We don't have hope in this world. We have something greater. We have something more. That's what should motivate us to live with the power of eternity and bring that truth to bear on our life. Life, everlasting life. They throw them to lions. They uh, sawed them asunder. They uh, turned the gladiators loose on them. And, and, and uh, none of the Caesars could stamp it out. Uh, Justin Martyr says that the, I think it was, the Tertullian said that the blood of the martyrs was the seed of the church when they tried to persecute him. How can you do away with someone who says, if, you, if I perish, I perish. Like the Old Testament lady said, I've got a vision of what my life means. And it's not invested in this world. It's invested in the next world. You can't do anything with that. It won't burn. It won't bend. It won't bow. It's the power of catching sight of the next world. When he comes back, he said, eyes not seen, ears not heard, neither is it entered. And you don't know, he says, what I have prepared for those that love me. My appearing, I'm going to take you away to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And there are things that I have for you you haven't even dreamt. Oh, you know, we sing an old song, Beulah Land, I'm longing for you, Beulah Land. See, that's what they had a hold of. We need to live with that conscious, bring it to bear on our life. Now, I'm going to get ready to close. The power of eternity, the hope of heaven. But he also said this, that same scent to some was the scent of death. Some people are going to see the sacrifice, the work of Christ, and they're going to stand in eternity. And what is hope and blessing and righteousness and a, a source of contentment and joy for some will be a source of condemnation for others. Why? Because there's a place called hell.
And what would happen is, is that conquering general would bring people in. And some of them, like the goodly, uh, the best, they're going to keep and they're going to use them. But there's another set that they know when they smell that fragrance, they're headed to execution. I hate to end on a negative note tonight, but there is a place called hell. There's a place where the fire won't quench. There's a place where the lost without Christ are going to go and they're going to spend eternity. And God did not design that for us. He designed heaven for us. Hell was created for Satan and the angels that rebelled against him. But God's not going to force you to choose him. God's not going to force himself on you. But if you choose to reject him, he, like a gentleman, will say, I will not take you without your permission. I'm not going to do that. But I will plead with you. I will beg you. I will send preachers to preach sermons to you. And tonight, if you haven't accepted God, if you've not got your life right with Christ, if you've not repented of your sins and been baptized in Jesus' name and received this good tongue-talking Holy Ghost, you need a preacher like Paul that says, I'm not after your book. I'm not after your money. I'm not after what you can give me. What I came to do was preach the truth. I come to declare to you the, the, the full counsel of God truth, the fragrance of life and death. The same book that promises glory, that promises righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost also has other promises. He that hath not the Spirit of Christ is none of His. How far are you from God? If He came back today, some of us would be enraptured. We would be in such joy. We would be caught up to be with our God. We would be in heaven forever. It would be crossing the finish line. And like Paul saying, I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. Henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. But not just for me. All them. That means us. We could step into the reward of the Lord. I want to hear him say, well done. Thou good and faithful servant. To the others, he will say, Depart from me. I never knew you. Would you stand? God makes covenant in the Old Testament and he turns to them and he says this I set before you this day life and death. And almost pleading, you can hear it kind of roll through the scripture. Therefore, choose. So I come to kind of get in your face and get in your heart a little bit tonight. Could you do a little inventory? Let the Holy Ghost walk through the corridors of your heart. Let him into those places that maybe you've got closed doors that you've not let him in. Not there. I'm not going to surrender that. Fragrance of life or the fragrance of death. The truth needs to come in. What's it going to be, saying of God? What's it going to be? Uh, friend, when you come before the Lord, are you going to be able to say, God, I've accepted you. I've done everything. I am one of your trophies. You bought me with your blood. You won. You conquered. And I am in you. Or by decision, just to say, not now. You're saying to God, no. Lord, we owe everything to you. You went so far. You went as far as the cross to show your love. 
You conquered every enemy. All we have to do is come and submit to you. Lord, we thank you for the victory that we possess that's in you. Lord, help us. I pray, Lord, if there's someone here tonight that's struggling on the outside, God, that they wouldn't let the enemy, God, who just wants them to suffer his fate, stand on the outside and look in through the window what they feel now, God. Help them to have the strength to respond. Would you slip your hand up and say, Lord, I've come to surrender my life. If God came back right now, I know preachers preach it all the time, but if God came back right now, if God tapped on your heart's door and said, now's the moment, would it be a fragrance of life or a fragrance of death? If you're not ready to meet God, what you need to do, you don't have to have a big moment down here. You can right there in your, in your chair, right there where you are, say, Lord, I surrender to you. You know what's between you and God. Most people do. They know what their hang-ups are. I know what my rubs are in the spirit. My biggest problem is Bobby. My biggest problem is myself. And what I need to do is say, Bobby, tonight you die. Tonight you die to live in Christ. Praise God, praise God, praise God. If you need prayer tonight, I invite you to come down. I'm not going to hold you long. I promise that.